Welcome to the Give, Receive, Improve weekly podcast with Lisa Lam and Sawana Ali. This podcast was inspired to help new managers overcome the challenges of managing and leading people. We have a combined experience of over 50 years in leadership and management roles. We know, and I mean we know, the struggles and rewards of leading individuals and teams. We believe that you should not be facing your challenges alone. So let's start this journey together. To find out more, check out our respective sites at lisalamcoach.com and sawanaali.com. Let's get going. In this episode, we will talk about giving feedback in tricky or challenging situations. Now, the way we're going to define tricky situations is in these three areas, and there'll be another one that we'll cover in the next episode. The first area is around response. What is the response or possible responses that the receiver of the feedback might demonstrate? Number two, when is it the most appropriate time to provide feedback? So that's in terms of timing. And number three, what is the company culture around feedback? Is it something that's encouraged or not? Fourthly, and this is the one we'll cover in the next episode, it's the feedback for your managers. So let's get going. So Sal, what do you think about feedback in these sort of tricky or challenging situations? Tricky feedback gets tricky because we are not sure how to approach it. We fear that things will get ugly and they may jeopardize our relationship with the feedback receiver. This is normally associated with communicating some sort of bad news, something that is negative which we need to turn to positive. It gets more difficult especially if we do not know the person that we want to give feedback to. So how do we deal with such uncertainty without compromising the intended outcome of the feedback? I don't believe we have a one-size-fits-all for this. We have to have a certain degree of awareness on the type of feedback that we want to give and try carefully to avoid presenting it like a personal attack to the receiver. Some prefer to say the good stuff first before getting into the not-so-great stuff. For instance, I received a feedback from a mentor once who said, quote, You were excellent in managing the meeting just now giving everyone the opportunity to speak. I applaud you for that. However, I observed that in a couple of scenarios, you interjected the respective speakers while they were still talking, while they were still giving their opinions. I believe they should have given the opportunity to finish what they wanted to say first. May I understand what exactly happened there? Unquote. Specifically on this situation, I took the feedback from my mentor very well, as she gave her full observations on what's working and what's not. From her question in relation to her observations, I knew for sure that she was genuine in trying to understand what exactly was going on between my two ears. I appreciated her gesture as she gave me the airtime to explain the situation in her effort to understand where I was coming from. And I believe if you are not sure on how to approach giving tricky feedback, one thing for sure is to exercise empathy. Try putting yourself in the receiver's shoes. Imagine if you were hearing the same bad news communicated to you. How would you like to receive it without compromising the intended outcome of the feedback? When you crystallize the rightful scenario, execute it the way you envision it. Chances are, you will get it right. And Lisa, as far as you are concerned, how would you approach it? Yeah, giving feedback is hard. And there are other elements involved that uh, makes it even harder. 
Now, as we've talked about, how the receiver of the feedback might respond is always tricky as we never truly know what to expect. Now, generally, there are basically two types of personalities, and we'll only just cover it at a very high level. The first category would be what we consider as thinkers, and the second, feelers. Broadly, these two types of profile will react, respond, and handle feedback very differently. As an example, thinkers will generally want more objective, concrete facts, and then they'll work through to the solution systematically. They will naturally approach the problem with the goal of solving it and putting a plan in place. They definitely require more information, more facts, and then they're able to compartmentalize and to be objective in terms of coming up with an outcome or a solution. So therefore, with this type of individuals, giving them information, facts, specific examples, and then working through it with them would probably produce the best outcome. For feelers, on the other hand, it is important to highlight the impact or implication as usually the intention is not always interpreted the same as the impact. They are concerned with what people think or feel about them and how certain situations will make them feel. Therefore, just providing someone of this personality types with facts and figures is not going to give you the most effective outcome. I personally find it more challenging uh, to give feedback to a feeler, as my personality type is obviously a thinker. So it's very hard for me to know exactly what the person will feel or is feeling. And feelings, after all, are very complex, and each person will manage it differently. So Sal, how have you approached your conversation with either of these personality types? Yes, indeed. The thinkers sound more straightforward, don't they? Having said that personality types are just preferences, it does not mean that thinkers do not have feelings and feelers do not think. So yeah, that makes it even more tricky. One fact remains that there's no way of us knowing for sure whether the person we want to give feedback to is a thinker or a feeler, unless we know them well. As such, it is definitely worth the while to gauge in the first two minutes, if feasible, whether or not the person you are giving feedback to is a thinker or a feeler. In my case, I tend to approach the feedback process in a 2-2-2-2 or 4 times 2 minutes manner. What exactly does that mean? I will use the first 2 minutes to gauge personality, the next 2 to recognize something good that they have done, and the following 2 to share my observation, and finally the final 2 is to agree on action items or next steps. I will tweak my approach as in what I say and how I say it along the way, depending on the flow of the conversation as it progresses, without compromising the intended outcomes. It has worked for me so far. Obviously, it is a continuous journey and there's always new learnings every day. That's right, Sal. I would still have the same elements in my feedback, and I would just emphasize certain areas differently, and maybe even use certain words more. For example, I would emphasize how a certain behavior makes me feel and reinforce and encourage how certain positive behaviors or actions should be continued or strengthened. I would not immediately move the conversation to solution finding, but give space for the person to digest the information and sort it out. After all, you've got to sort out emotions as well, because let's be realistic, right? When you're giving feedback, the person is not just thinking, but also feeling the impact of whatever the feedback may be. So you can't have an effective discussion if you're not willing or you're not ready 
to give the person some time or some space to figure it out for themselves. Because after all, you had time to prepare and now it's only fair that you allow that person to have the space to be able to process whatever they've heard. Now, sometimes I might even give the person a day or two to come back with questions and next steps for what they would like to um, explore. Now, this moves nicely to the next tricky situation, which sounds simple enough, but I think that we so easily ignore, and that is with timing. When do we give feedback? When do we hold back? When do we give space or time out? So, Sal, what are your thoughts and experiences around timing or feedback? Timing is of an essence. I do believe that feedback has an expiry date. If you wait too long or give feedback too fast, it may not serve well and fail to achieve the intended outcomes. So what is the right expiry date? I believe one of the key measurements on the right time to give feedback is readiness. Think of scenarios that would generally make people not ready to receive feedback. Some of the relevant adjectives are angry, sad, guilty, worry, for instance. If you see anyone in this mode at the time you want to give feedback, it's well worth it for you to wait for a while to give them time and space to reflect before you approach them to give feedback. What if the scenario is that the person that you want to give feedback to is still angry, but you need to give it anyway because if you don't, he may encounter a worse situation. Then the right thing to do is just give it. It is what it is. For instance, you may say, Quote, I know you are angry and maybe not ready for this, but I have to share this with you. I observe that you have not included the 20% risk mitigation scenarios in your project schedule. I seriously recommend that you include that before you meet the boss today. Just be ready, I think. He will ask you this based on the incident that happened last week. Unquote. I'm pretty sure the feedback receiver will thank you after his meeting with the boss because, in a way, you are sharing a common purpose with him. This is also not a one-size-fits-all situation. With the right skills in giving and receiving feedback, having a high degree of self-awareness and social awareness, you will be able to make the right call on what the best approach is. A space where feedback process is expected to be institutionalized is in companies or enterprises. On that note, what is your take on Company culture, Lisa. That's a great question. Company culture does determine a lot of what we're talking about. There are companies who avoid feedback like the plague, and therefore, it is basically void of any feedback. In fact, feedback is probably frowned upon. Now, there are other companies whose DNA is centered around feedback. Feedback is at the heart of their growth. Feedback from both customers and partners and employees are viewed as essential. Now, depending on which organizational culture you're in, feedback is obviously going to be very different and practiced differently. Now, I believe that no matter which type of culture you're in, I do believe that feedback is essential for growth. Therefore, if you are a growth mindset individual, you will still and you should still seek it. Now, if you're in an organization that has feedback as an encouraged culture, then you're able to clearly benefit from it. Practice all that we have been discussing in our previous podcast, for example, on uh, what is feedback and how to respond to feedback, and we'll put the links below. If you're in an organization that does not view feedback as essential or pretty much avoids it until the annual performance review, 
then your approach might have to be very different. Now, I would suggest that in this situation, you will have to be the one to proactively ask and seek for feedback. You might not necessarily be able to give as much feedback as you would like, but you certainly can continue to learn in terms of areas of growth for yourself through asking for feedback. Interesting indeed. You are absolutely right, Lisa. Different companies approach the culture of feedback differently, and I do agree with your suggestion. As an individual, I think regardless where we are, it will do as well if we keep on seeking for feedback to continually improve ourselves. Before we go, we will be covering in the next episode how to ask the right questions so that you are able to get the right answers. As always, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a like, and let us know what you would like to learn next. Take care and remember, you're not alone in your struggles as a manager.